to Hillcrest Church Audio. We hope today's message will help you grow. Thank you, Christian. All right. Good day to you. My name's Tim, and I get to serve on the teaching team here at Hillcrest, and I want to say welcome, Uh, and however your week has been, grace and peace to you uh, from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, I want to invite you this morning to grab your Bible and open up to uh, John chapter 11. Uh, John is uh, way to the right in the New Testament. It's after Luke. It's before Acts. And uh, we're continuing this series. We've been doing this series throughout the fall, looking at the book of John and what Jesus says about himself, how Jesus uh, uh, describes who he is in the book of John. We're going to continue that today. And as Christian said, I'd encourage you to have an actual physical paper Bible and actually um, something to write on. Later on at the end, I'm going to invite you to do some writing, but have something to take notes with, a pen, uh, if you're anything like me, uh, your distraction, your attention may have got pulled in all sorts of directions this week. And there's something about being present um, and us collectively bringing our attention to what God is saying to us uh, through Scripture that's good for our hearts. So uh, we're going to pick up um, in chapter 11, as I said. But first, just to remind us, so the last two messages we've done have been on John chapter 10 actually. And the way John 10 ends is this, that um, Jesus is in Jerusalem and he said some things that really upset people there. And by the end of John chapter 10, there's a group of people in Jerusalem who want to stone Jesus to death. And so Jesus ends up leaving the uh, vicinity around Jerusalem, going down to the Jordan Valley. And that's where we find him at the beginning of chapter 11. So that's where I'm going to pick up Now, so John chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So uh, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha, they're actually siblings. They live in this village, Bethany, that would have, uh, and we'll find out later on, it's less than two miles outside of Jerusalem where people are wanting to kill Jesus. Uh, verse 3, so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Jump down to verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister And Lazarus. So Lazarus is sick. They send this message. And I love the way the author of John gives us a glimpse into the the friendships amongst them. I mean, clearly Jesus is not this aloof uh, ruler, teacher that they don't connect. I mean, he, he says, hey, the one you love is sick. And he loved Mary and Martha and Lazarus. I mean, clearly these are dear friends who know one another. And Jesus, in fact, in chapter 12, we see Jesus having dinner at their house. These are people who care about one another. I love that little glimpse into it. 
So the story, uh, so Jesus knows that Lazarus is sick, this, this friend that he cares about, the one he loves. In verse 7, um, we find uh, his response. In verse 7, he, he, it says, Then he said to his disciples, his friends, his followers, Let us go back to Judea. That's the province that Jerusalem and Bethany, where Lazarus is, uh, is from. So verse 8, they said, But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you. And yet you were going back? Like we said in chapter 10, they were trying to kill him. Um, jumping now now to verse 11, he says a few other things, but then in verse 11 it says, after he said those things, he went on to tell them, our friend, and I, I just have to, before I say this, um, I really love this part of the story. So follow this. Uh, Jesus says to his disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. And his disciples, their reply is, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. And I just, so, uh, I mean, so what if they, put yourself in the disciples' position. They know people are trying to kill Jesus in this vicinity. Do they really think Jesus wants to go towards his death to wake Lazarus up from a nap? I mean, Jesus, you know if he's sick, this, will, this helps human body. Uh, verse 13, Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So he told them, plainly, Lazarus is dead. He cuts to the chase. <laughs> and for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. Let us go to him. And then this final golden nugget. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, he turns, Jesus is like heading away, and he turns to the disciples and he says, let us also go that we may die with him. And Thomas, known as Didymus, not Thomas the cheerful, apparently. (laughs) Thomas. But uh, this, the beginning of this uh, account here, I, it brings up, I think, some, some big things that touch all our lives all the time, but especially in this season are things that are touch our lives. It brings up sickness and death and fear. I mean, sickness. I, think, I mean, how has your life been touched by sickness or the threat of sickness this year? I mean, all of our lives are drastically different because of the threat of sickness. You now have a favorite mask that I bet you didn't have a year ago. Like our lives are affected in deep ways. And not just, I mean, obviously there's the pandemic, but all, like I think about our church family. There have been, I think about people with cancer. I think about people with other health emergencies over this past year. Like sickness has touched many of our lives. How has it touched your life this year? Or death. How has death touched your life this past year? I, I know uh, for myself, I've had two friends who are near my age die of COVID over the last couple of months. I mean, d- death breaks into our world. In a lot of ways, uh, this past year has been a year where we um, I've tried to find ways to not think about death. We've all been busy distracting ourselves, and yet it impinges on 
our lives. And, and again, I think, about, I think about our church family and I think about the last, even just 2020, and there have been a number of deaths of loved ones uh, connected to our church family, many of which we haven't even had the opportunity to grieve together. How has death impacted your life, touched your life this year? And then finally, fear. I mean, they, they recognize going to Bethany, going near Jerusalem, is a risk, it's a risk to their lives. I think about, again, this year, just times of a pit of anxiety in my stomach. And I think we've all had fear touch our lives. And what has caused you fear this year? And so when, uh, when we see Jesus... Heading back towards Jerusalem, Bethany, right next to Jerusalem. He's, these, these things, these things, sickness and death and fear are swirling around him. He's walking towards these things. And that's how uh, this account continues. And so we're going to pick up in verse 17. We read this. On his arrival uh, in Bethany near Jerusalem, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. And many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. It would have been a seven day sitting shiva, a time of mourning. When Martha heard Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Now I want to pause there for a second. Resurrection at the last day. We've talked at different times um, here at Hillcrest about kind of for first century Jews, the majority of first century Jews, when they thought about history time, they thought about it divided into two ages. This age that they currently lived in and the age to come. This age they lived in was the age marked by sickness and death and sin. And they believed that a day would come, the last day, when God would intervene in history. There would be a great resurrection, a judgment, and then the age to come would be ushered in, which would be an age of eternal life and right relatedness and peace and health. And so, so Martha is saying, she's saying, I, she knows the right answer. Yeah, Jesus, I know the right answer. My brother at the last day will be resurrected. Picking up in verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And I just find myself, I find myself asking a number of questions. I mean, first of all, I think, what does that even mean? 
What does it mean for Jesus to say, I am the resurrection and the life? I mean, the resurrection for the, the, the resurrection was a, a, a future event when God would intervene in history to raise people from the dead. What does it mean to say, I am a future event, a future divine worldwide event? It was a, it, it, the resurrection was a future event when God would, would raise all people from their graves to life again. What does it mean for Jesus to say, I am the future event when God raises all people from the grave to life again? I mean, what does it mean for someone to say they are an event at all? I think about, I was trying to think of uh, what a parallel of this. I was imagining. So imagine you're, you're in high school and uh, you're having a hard time. There's a number of classes you are failing. And you're, you're really worried about graduation. And you're struggling. And you're, I don't know if I'm going to graduate. And you bump into somebody and you're saying, I just don't know if I'm going to graduate. I don't know if it's going to happen. And then this person says to you, I am the graduation. <laughs> and you would probably be like, that's fascinating. Could you expound on that a little bit for me? I am the graduation. What would that mean? I mean, I mean, if somebody said that, it would mean something like, like I am in charge of graduation. Graduation does not happen without me. If, so, if I want someone to graduate, they graduate. I can make people graduate whenever I want. I allow whoever I want to graduate. Graduation is really about me. Where I am, I can make graduation happen. I am the graduation. And Jesus says to Martha, I am the resurrection. He says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. We talked about the life a couple weeks ago in the, the, the gate, I am the gate uh, talk. And life, in the, it comes up all over the place in the book of John. And life usually means the life of the age to come. This, this life of the age to come, the life after the resurrection, when all things are made well. It's this, this qualitative life, life right with God forever and ever and ever, real life. And Jesus says, I am the life of the age to come. Where I am, it is. I bring it with me. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And, and I can't help myself just thinking, who says something like that? I mean, if a, if a person, just a normal person says something like that, you would think they are arrogant or crazy. I mean, what if, I, what if Russell Wilson, you know, said... I am the Super Bowl. I mean, you'd be like, hey, Russ, you are phenomenal. I don't know if I would go quite, you are the Super Bowl. Like, who says something like this? I want to summarize this next part of what happens. So uh, Martha replies to Jesus. She says, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Martha, she goes, she tells Mary, her sister, that Jesus has come. And Mary comes out 
uh, to see Jesus herself. And then it's really interesting. Mary essentially asked Jesus the same question that Martha did. And she says, if, you know, she says, if you would have been here, Jesus, my brother wouldn't have died. And, and, and in other words, she's basically saying, why did you let this happen, Jesus? Which uh, I think if we're honest, in times of grief, in times of fear, is often the exact same question that we ask. And then in one of the most poignant moments in the book of John, Jesus does not answer her question, but he weeps with her. And then Jesus and Mary go together to the tomb of Lazarus. And then we pick up in verse 38. And, uh, and I think this next, what happens next, really begins to answer the question, who would dare to say something like, I am the resurrection? And so I'm going to read it, and we're going to have an image on screen of a first century tomb with a rolling stone um, while I read this. So picking up in verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor. He has been there for four days. And then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? And I love glory of God is not the shininess of God. Glory of God is the heart and character of God. So they took away the stone and then Jesus looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus, who says, who says something like, I am the resurrection and the life? He comes and says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then, uh, and then he calls Lazarus from the tomb. I mean, in this whole amazing account, we see him, we see him come uh, in the middle of Martha's um, grief, in the middle of her question asking. She, she, he meets her right in the midst of it. And right there, he reveals who he is to her before it's all solved and figured out. And he says to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he meets Mary in the midst of her sorrow, in the midst of her question asking, and he reveals his heart to her by weeping with her. And then he goes to the tomb of Lazarus. And just to show when he says he is the resurrection, he doesn't mean he's the, like the feeling of the resurrection in your heart. He means he is the resurrection. And he calls Lazarus from 
the grave. I want to just ask here, um, what does this mean for us? Like, what do we do with this? A a few things uh, have come to my mind. One, I think we have to let the question Jesus asked Martha, we have to let him ask us that same question. He asked Martha, do you believe this? And in other words, I think not just intellectually, but do you trust in this? If you're, a, if you're with us and, and a, a, a more of a skeptic, you're a curious about Jesus, you're curious about things of faith and asking questions, I think there's this question of, are you open to the possibility that there is a person stronger than death at loose in the world? And I know for a lot, of, a lot of folks today, like the idea, they'll say the, the resurrection is impossible. It's just not even possible. And yet at the same time, they'll affirm that the entire cosmos, space and time included, were kicked off by a quantum fluctuation. Could it not be possible there is a person stronger than death. I think about Jesus' disciples, his friends who witnessed this and went on to witness Jesus' resurrection. The majority of these witnesses gave their lives because they insisted this was true. They were murdered because they said this really happened. Jesus asked Martha, do you believe this? Do you trust this? I think that's the first thing we have to uh, let Jesus ask us. And then the second thing that, that I want to just ask us to reflect on this morning is this. Um, and this is for all of us. In the midst of the places where sickness and death and fear have impinged on your life, in the middle of it, just as Martha and Mary were in the middle of it, what might Jesus want to be saying to you while you're in the middle of it? What do you hear Jesus saying to you while in the middle? I want to actually give us some time this morning. That's why I asked you to have some paper. And so um, during the final song, I, I want you to reflect on this and to pray to Jesus. What are you saying to me? And actually during the song, I want you to write down what you sense Jesus saying to you while you're in the middle of the things you're in the middle of. Jesus showed up to Martha right in her question and in her grief. And he said right there to her, he said, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Can you trust this? And what do you sense Jesus saying to you today? I encourage you to write that down. The final thing I want to leave us with happens after uh, the raising of Lazarus. Uh, There are many uh, folks who were there who witnessed this. And some of them afterwards, they celebrated. uh, They rejoiced. They praised God. And then some of them, fascinatingly, they run off to the leaders, the religious leaders in Jerusalem who were against Jesus. And they essentially tell on Jesus. And the religious leaders, uh, their response is to feel threatened by Jesus' popularity And the ways it might undermine their power. And in verse 53 we read. So from that day on. They plotted to take his life. 
You turn the page to chapter 12 and you're on a, a downhill roll to the cross. Seven days until Jesus' death. Jesus raised Lazarus from death to life. And it led to Jesus going from life to death. Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave to life again. And it led Jesus from going to life into his grave. And I think what we see happening in Lazarus' story is true for you and I as well. Jesus goes to the grave that he might call us out. Not in a general sense, but in a personal sense. Jesus doesn't just say, I am the resurrection. I think to Lazarus, he says, I am your resurrection. And I love that he calls Lazarus' personal name. Because I believe a day is coming when every one of us will hear our names called. Tim. Wake up. Come out. I went to the grave that I could call you out of the grave. May we trust in this. Let's pray. Jesus, uh, we believe um, that you were resurrected. And that you are in this, uh, this dimension known as heaven right now. And that your spirit is at work in this world, in our lives, in our hearts. And um, Jesus, you know the things. That even the things that have come to our mind this morning as we think about sickness and death and fear. You know those things that weigh on us. And we believe by your spirit you want to speak to us just as you spoke to Martha. And I just pray right now uh, for my brothers and sisters and for myself that you would give us open hearts and ears to hear just as you revealed your character, who you were to Martha and to Mary right in the middle. Would you reveal yourself now to us in the middle places we are in? In your name I pray, amen. Thanks for connecting with Hillcrest Church. For more info on this and other sermons, visit us online at hcbellingham.com or join us at 9 or 11 a.m. any Sunday morning, 1400 Larrabee Ave, Bellingham, Washington.